Amen. We get to celebrate baptism this morning, so I draw your attention right up there, and let's celebrate it together. Good morning. Welcome in to Lindsay Lane. It's good to see everybody today, and as Dwayne said, we get to begin our service with baptism, and uh, just as a just as a testimony, a living testimony that God is continuing to work, that God's Holy Spirit is drawing men to himself and reconciled relationships, and so we're excited today to baptize uh, to kick off our baby dedication service. And uh, so coming down to be baptized this morning is Mr. Craig Barnes. Come on down, Craig. All right, thank you. All right man. You just have a seat right there. Craig and I got to talk over the phone recently, and um, he had just even confirmed this morning, said, you know, this is something that's been on my heart for a while, needed to take this next step of faith, next step of obedience, and uh, anytime we have people that are about to be baptized, we explain to them, this is not what you're doing to be saved. You're doing this because you are saved. It's a step of obedience. Uh, Jesus said we must do all that's required. And again, this is not required for uh, salvation. It's required because uh, Jesus set this example for us and has instructed us to be baptized after we've placed faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation. So, Craig, with all that said and after all our conversation, have you called upon the name of the Lord? Amen. Well, based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my brother in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for how you continue to work, Lord, how you give new beginnings. Uh, Lord, where you give life where there is no life, Lord, when we think that we are not worthy or we're on the outs or, God, there's no hope for us, Lord, you have provided the sacrifice. You have provided a way for us to be right with you. And I thank you, Lord, for Craig, his new beginning. I ask, oh, God, that this be just a first step towards many of faithful service and obedience to you. God, for those of us who are baptized, Lord, that this would be a reminder of our own. Lord, the time when we step down into the water because of what you were doing into our heart, Lord, I just pray that this would be a faithful reminder for us to be faithful to you. We thank you, O oh God, for what you have done and what you will do, and pray, O oh God, that your spirit would preside over this place today and minister to us, Lord, and message, and God, may we stand and sing, and not just sing, but worship. May we worship you for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing about the joy in the house of the Lord. Amen. I pray that your joy will show through your face as you sing. Because there is no greater one who deserves our praise than the Lord. Amen. We worship. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy.
please be seated. Well, amen and amen. Good morning. It's so good to see you here at Lindsay Lane this morning. And I hope and pray there is joy, not only in the house of the Lord this morning, but in your heart as well because of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're glad that you're here at Lindsay Lane this morning. We want to say a special welcome to all of those that may be visiting with us. And if you're a guest of ours today, we'd encourage you to take the bottom half of your bulletin that you were given, and if you'd take that, fill it out, just tear it off and drop it in our offering containers uh, out in the uh, foyers, uh, we'd certainly appreciate having a record of you being with us. And if, if there's anyone here that has a special prayer request that we can pray with you about, uh, we'd certainly be honored to do that as a staff, and you can just share that with us on there. Just drop it in the offering uh, containers out in the foyer. We'll, we'll certainly do that tomorrow as we meet as a staff. So but we're glad to see you this morning. I want to come up and just pray over our time of giving. Uh, there is joy in the house of the Lord. He's worthy of our praise and our worship. And I love that song as we were just, as we were singing that. I hope you were paying attention to the words. But we worship him in every area of our lives. We worship him with our lives. And so giving is part of that. And we just want to encourage you to be faithful in the area of giving. And so if you want to give to Lindsay Lane today, we certainly appreciate that. And and just encourage you to do so. Our offering containers, again, are out in the foyers. You can give online uh, through our website at lindsaylane.org, or you can text uh, LLBC to 73256 and give through text to give. But I want to pray over our time of giving today. And before our baby dedication this morning, uh, we just uh, pray and ask God's blessings on our, on our time of giving and worship through giving. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the privilege and the joy of coming into the house of the Lord today. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ and the redeeming power of the blood of the Lamb. Father, we are so glad that you sent your Son, that you came in the form of flesh in your Son, the Lord Jesus, and demonstrated to us a God who loves and forgives and redeems you're worthy of our praise and our worship. And Father, we worship you today through giving. And so we just pray, Lord, over the offering today and this, throughout this week. God, you would use it to, for your honor and for your glory so that the kingdom of God might be spread throughout the world. Thank you again for all that you do for us. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bradley. As Bradley's already mentioned, uh, we got a special treat this morning. We have baby uh, dedications, and so we'll be asking those families to join us on stage uh, here momentarily. But before we do that, I just want to take just a second and uh, thank uh, Lori Carter. Uh, she's been on staff here for many, many years, and as we shared with you a couple of months ago, uh, she has accepted a position with the Athens uh, uh, city uh, public school system and uh, we're very proud for her in that transition for her but she has stayed on in a part-time role over the last couple of months and today is kind of her official uh, last day so if you're picking up your kids or grandkids and you see Lori please thank her and her family Drew uh, they've done a fantastic job leading our children's ministry for uh, the last couple of years um, but uh, I also want to introduce uh, to you uh, Miss Tammy Fleming uh, many of you uh, longtime members of Lindsay Lane know her she 
led our children's ministry for many, many years uh, here at Lindsay Lane. And she's going to come on um, in a short-term kind of interim uh, children's ministry director role as we are still uh, pursuing who God would have uh, to lead that ministry. And she's going to be helping us uh, over the next uh, maybe month or two as we continue to do that. So we just wanted to put a face for that ministry and give you uh, just uh, Tammy uh, up front uh, for the time being. And also Dawn, Dawn sitting down on the front row. She does a ton of stuff behind the scenes for our children's ministry. And she's uh, just been a rock over there over the last couple of months in that time of transition as well. And I just wanted to thank her and Lori and uh, Tammy uh, for uh, continuing to lead our children's ministry in a great direction. <laughs> So from now on, you got any questions, children's ministry related, Tammy gets those emails, okay? <clears throat> uh, so uh, without further ado, let's uh, introduce you to our babies for dedication today. Our first baby uh, coming to be dedicated is Chandler Louise Burgess, born on February the 18th, 2021. And her big sister, Clara Annalise Burgess, born on October the 15th. 2018. Both are being dedicated by their parents, Will and Candace Burgess. Next, we have Annabelle Rose Derricott, born on April 14th, 2021. She is being dedicated today. She is being dedicated today by our parents, Ryan and Caroline Derricott. Rhett Lincoln Lane was born on May 21st, 2021. He is being dedicated by his parents, Daniel and Courtney Lane. Grant Colin Mordecai, born on February 9th, 2021. He is being dedicated. He is being dedicated by his parents, Austin and Emily Mordecai. And lastly, Bodie Sawyer Smith, born on September the 23rd, 2021. And his sister, Hayden Olivia Smith, born on March 3rd, 2018, both are being dedicated by their parents, Gaines and Chastity Smith. I'm going to turn it over to our pastor to dedicate these little ones. Gosh, they're all doing so good. I don't want to mess this up. Well, congratulations to you all. Thank you for taking this time to dedicate your children in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord, saying, I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. And now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. The second chapter of Luke tells us that when Jesus was born, his father and mother brought him to the temple and dedicated him to God. In verses 22 and 23 of Luke chapter 2. Baby dedication is an 
important opportunity for parents to express publicly their desire to lead their children to the Lord and their desire to guide them according to the principles of God's Word. It's also a very important opportunity for us, for the church, because we are, have the responsibility to come alongside these families to supplement the ministry of these parents. So what I, we're about to do is we're about to read some questions for dedication for the parents to answer. And if you agree, your answer will be, we do, parents. And then for the church, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And if you agree, your answer is, we will. Uh, th this is important because this is truly a service of dedication, not only for the families who desire to raise up their children in the Lord, but also for the church to not just agree with what I'm saying, but to actually put hands and feet behind it. Amen. So here are the questions, parents. Do you now dedicate your children to the Lord who gave them to you? Do you pledge that with God's help, we will bring your children within the principles of God's word, both by teaching and by example? Do you desire to see this new chapter of children's ministry through by your service and investment? And do you desire to make it your regular prayer that by God's grace, your children will come to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and the security of their eternal life? If so, your answer is we do. Amen. They're in. Amen. They are in. Church, will you support the dedication of these families? Will you support them by being responsible church family members who care about the innocence of their children? Will you support these parents in praying for the salvation of their children? And will you assist these families and the church by providing care, security, and ministry to these children towards their salvation and discipleship according to the word of God. If you will, say we will. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for these children, for these families. And we pray, O oh God, that they would grow in wisdom and in stature and favor with you and with others. Lord, we pray that they would always love you and love the church. We pray that these children would recognize their need for you. And, Lord, that they would one day call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. May we be faithful as a church to supplement what the home will do in teaching and by example. And we thank you for your grace as parents. We thank you for your grace and mercy over our own lives. And pray, O oh God, that you give us Holy Spirit power to live right and well before our children. And, God, may they know the word well enough to understand that they need grace themselves and their parents will also need it. But, Lord, I pray that you give these parents incredible strength to lead and guide these kids, O oh God, that are a reward from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's all stand together as we sing.
take your Bibles and turn to the book of Nehemiah. Don't feel bad if you need to use the table of contents. We all do that from time to time. Turn to the book of Nehemiah. Thank you for allowing me to uh, have a week away last week, vacation. And the truth is, is when I have a Sunday off from preaching, I get quickly jealous for it. And I'm ready to talk again. So I thank the Lord for providing the word for this week and uh, look forward to it. Even this morning, as uh, I I was thinking... And just having more thoughts relative to the message, I was going to start off by asking you two questions, but I want to redirect before we get to those two questions and ask you one or two more, starting with this. How do you live and what is your mission? How you live may not be missional. 
So what I'm telling you this morning is don't just live, live on mission. For some of us, as we have, have led into this service through baby dedication today, for those of us who have had children at one time or for those of us who are caregivers or may, maybe you are have an investment from family of, of other children that don't belong to you or maybe uh, you have children of your own. My children are in my life, but my children are not my mission. I think that needs to be said. Now, my children definitely are in the scope of God's mission for me. But I don't read in the scripture where children are to be our whole life. Nobody said, I get a one amen on that because we don't know how to take that. But see, the reason I say that is because usually for those who are parents, children end up being our life. Their schedule becomes our schedule after we get done with our schedule. But, but that is just a part of the scope of our ministry. So while our children are included in our life, our children are not just, are not just our children, are our mission. And in fact, sometimes we say our children are our mission because that's what takes up our schedule. But our, our children are the scope in the scope of what God has compelled us to do as ministers of reconciliation to the world, not just our house. So we start from our house, and we're intentional to teach our kids about the grace of God, the love of God, the truth of God, the sacrifice of Jesus, but then we work out to a world that's waiting for the light. So with that, I ask you two questions that I've asked you for several times over the last few months. I know I asked you back in April, and now we ask again in October, and this is, I think, the third service where I've led off of these questions, but what's important to you that's important to God? What's important to you that's important to God, and what will you do, and who will it influence? Have you answered that question? Some of you have had that question answered in your soul for a long time. You know exactly what's important to you, why it's important to God, and you know exactly what you're doing because you've been doing it for a while, and you know who it influences. Some of us are still trying to figure that out. Some of us are answering that question for the first time in a long time because we've not been moving. We, we've lost what's important to us that's important to God. Or maybe we're trying to find it again. But what is important to you that is important to God, and what will you do, and who will it influence? Can I say this today in 2021? Make sure what's important to you really is important to God. Make sure what is important to you really is important to God. Now, we're saying all this in the context of Nehemiah, the king's cupbearer in Persia, who is an Israelite who, who goes back to Jerusalem with a, a context and a concern and a cause to build up the walls of Jerusalem, God's capital city for his people, to be a, a wall of protection and so that his people would be mighty before the world and be a blessing to the world, as the scripture says. But all of this that Nehemiah wanted to do was rooted in God's will and his word. So what was important to him that was important to God can be confirmed because it is widely found within his word and within God's will. What is important to you that is important to God? For Nehemiah, he knew that all the way back in Genesis, God's people were to be a, a blessing to the world, not an afterthought. And they were to be, the scripture says in Genesis 12, a great nation, not as it says in Nehemiah, in great trouble and disgrace. So Nehemiah knew that according to the word and the will of God, which is what moved him. Y'all, I believe what is important to us that is important to God is going to line up with the grand narrative of Scripture. 
meaning it's going to draw you closer to the Lord as you follow Jesus while also reaching to others for God's glory and for their good. If it doesn't line up with those, I don't know if it's important to God or not. That it's going to draw you closer as a saint of God walking in the light of Christ and it's going to be used of you unto the glory of God and for the good of others towards salvation. God's people are not to be captives. They're to be more than conquerors so that the one true God would be known and so blessing to all people could be had. That's what's going on here. Nehemiah is fighting for God's people to be God's people. And so when we're answering the question of what's important to us that's important to God, is what important is what is important to you and that you've concluded is important to God, is what is important to you relative to the gospel towards reaching people for their salvation. Is that what you've concluded? That what's all important to you is relative towards reaching people for the gospel. Is what that you've concluded is important to you and important to God relative to keeping the name of God holy. To glorify God. Listen to me. Don't make it political. Don't make it personal. Make it biblical, church. Make it biblical. This is a biblical motivation in our heart to do something that God cares about. I'll just be honest with you. When I was in college... I left after my sophomore year and went off to a university that the truth is I wanted to go to. And I thought it would be good for me. And it was a desire that I had. And as I look back at it, I think I tried to make it important to God. People would ask me about it. Are you going to go there? You think you're going to like it? How's it going to be there? And, and I even would say, I think it's God's will for my life for me to do this, for, make, for me to make this decision. And I, the truth is, is I did pray over it. But looking back in my life, I've always questioned if that was God's will for my life or if I wanted to do it because it was important to me. Because I, I prayed for what I desired, but I didn't pray to hear from heaven. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I didn't even allow God to tell me I was wrong. I didn't even ask God if I was right or not. I know what I wanted and I covered it in prayer but even now as I'm standing before you, I'll tell you, God is sovereign. And if you've prayed those prayers before, you should know that God is sovereign. And even if you're wavering, if you're a child of God, he'll get you on that straight path. So trust who God is. But as we're considering these questions, I think one way that we can make sure of what we believe, our godly motivations, is by our spiritual movement. That, that question that we wrestle with of what is important to us that's important to God, and our conclusion have you put that conclusion to spiritual movement? And what I mean by that is, in other words, if you are fired up about it and, and it doesn't move you to personally seek God, you could just be fired up without it being important to God. If you're fired up about it, but it's not led you to prayer and fasting and seeking and searching, it could be an interference rather than importance. Remember, Nehemiah, before he went before the king of Persia, he mourned, fasted, and prayed for days. For days. He took it past praying to fasting and mourning. It grieved his heart, yes. It fired him up, yes. It motivated him for certain. But here's how we know what was important to him was important to God. It was widely rooted in the Word of God and the will of God, and he factored God in. He prayed and he fasted. 
Do you know who else prayed and fasted before their ministry began? Jesus prayed and he fasted because it's a big deal. Church, we don't want to just go out here wheeling things out like this is the will of God when I prayed over it. What is important to you that is important to God? What will you do and who will it influence? Yes, Nehemiah wanted to rebuild the wall and protect the greatness of Jerusalem. But during his prayer time, if you look in chapter 1, during his prayer time, do you know what he did as he prayed? It just wasn't a request of, Lord, give me the wall. It was a prayer where he confessed his own sin. God, I'm sorry for I've fallen short. Before he ever started praying, get him, he almost, he almost started praying, get me. This is what I've done wrong. This is where I have failed. And not only did he confess sin, he considered Scripture. Y'all, Nehemiah quoted Scripture in his prayer before he ever touched that wall. He was considering the Word of God. And then he made his request. It's all there in chapter 1. And what moved Nehemiah moved him to pray and to fast. Prayer and fasting, y'all, doesn't have the goal of getting what we want. Prayer and fasting has the goal of getting what God wants. That's why we pray and why we fast. You see, what was important to Nehemiah, that was important to God, was not just something, y'all hear me, it was not just something he wanted to give a try. What was important to Nehemiah that was important to God was not just a principled issue. What was important to him that was important to God was not something that he would thought would help him to keep on the straight and narrow. I'm going to give this a shot because nothing else worked. Let me just see if they help this keep my feet to the fire. Help this keep my family together. It was not just something that he thought would be a great humanitarian work. Man, we need something in our family that's humanitarian work that'll teach the kids and us about being selfless. No, Nehemiah wanted to honor the will and the word of God before he went on in. Before he died, he wanted to see what was important to God be important to him and his people for his entire lifetime. Keep in mind, your pastor... And your church leaders, if we are that to you, we are tasked with equipping you for the work of ministry so we can help you find out and figure out what's important to God. And we also are here to help you find out your individual niche as you serve the Lord. That's why we're here. Have a conversation. Discover what your passions are. Take a spiritual gift test. Tell us your experiences. Tell us what it is that you want to do. Some of you may be thinking, I want to do this. We may even have a ministry already for that. Just as a reminder, as we looked at this two weeks ago, and casting vision before the church about snapshots of what God would do in our church for, for the years to come. Fifteen first-time short-term missionaries. Diversity of fellowship. New works relative to Lindsay Lane planted in our community, at different parts of our community. These are vision statements. And I promise you, they line up with the mission of God. They line up with the word and the will of God. These are important to God, and they should be important to us. So for the rest of our time, I want you to think, if you are a member here or you're a regular here, you thought today, I'm going to start being here. Let's think corporately together about how we are going to approach accomplishing this mission, this vision of God to the church. But I also want you to think individually. How will you accomplish what God has called you to do? And I want you to take away the excuses. Sometimes we think, well, that ain't my ministry. Oh, well, it's not. Well, I guess you're exempt. Do you get to decide that? Have you put that before the Lord? 
Have you put child care, student ministry, missions before the Lord? Or have you just decided it's not for you? So that's what we do. We want to do what we want to do instead of putting it before the Lord. Take away the excuses. Take those things off the table. There could be people in here that God wants to call you to missions. God wants to call a young man to preach. But we wouldn't entertain it because we don't know if we can do it yet. What's important to you that's important to God? What will you do and who will it influence? Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. Nehemiah chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6. We're going to read through, verses, through verse 3 and probably 4. And we'll probably have to stop after one point today and pick it up next week. And the church said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Before we read this, I want to encourage you within this service when we have an invitation to pray. Pray right where you are. You come on down to the altar and pray about this personally and corporately and dedicate what God would have us to do in the prayer. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. Now, we are in the middle of the project. They have begun to rebuild walls around the city of God to protect the people of God and to restore some good kind of pride to their people. And what we need to see here in the first few verses of Nehemiah chapter 4 is the response of God's leader and God's people as they begin to accomplish the vision. The first thing that they did after the work begun was to pray against opposition. Pray against opposition. I want you to think about that personally. I want you to think about that corporately. Sanballat, Tobiah, and I think that's the way that you pronounce their names. I did not Google it. Most of you don't know either, so it doesn't matter, right? Sanballat and Tobiah were thorns in the side of Nehemiah. If you look back to chapter 2, it's when it begins. Sanballat and Tobiah, they were important guys. They were influential guys. They were Samaritan governors. They were leaders of the region that was north and east of Jerusalem. And God's people had the go-ahead from the king of Persia who ruled over that territory. And he gave Nehemiah permission to go and to rebuild the wall. Now that is the favor of God right there. That's stuff that God can do that don't even make sense because a king gave a people in his empire the permission to build up a defense against who could be him. That doesn't even make sense. But God's favor, the scripture says, was upon them. And so Nehemiah and the people of God had the permission to rebuild the wall around the city. And this meant that Sanballat and Tobiah, while they were influential, it meant they had no authority to stop what was going on. So all they could do was ridicule. Some of you, God has called to do one thing or another. God has called our church to move in one direction. And there's going to be opposition. And it's not opposition that can stop us. It's just ridicule. And that may be happening personally for you in your life now as you are trying your best to do what's right before God. For some of you, what's important to God that's important to you is living right. 
It's taking steps of obedience and trying to be faithful and be here at church and serve the body and, and to do things right at home. And this is the thing that God is leading you to do. And listen to me. Ladies and gentlemen, whenever you want to do something important to you that's important to God, you're going to get opposition. There will be opposition to hold you up from becoming all that God would have you to be. You notice these two jokers didn't even show up to revival happened. Once Nehemiah got there and started a work that only God could put together, that's when it kind of riled them up to go against them because that would mean that they lose influence. That would mean that, that their territory was going to be threatened by another people group rising up. This happens. This happens when the, because the enemy, the, the, the prince who is over the world until Jesus says, you're out. This happens because Satan does not want to see the work of God progress on this earth. So when you are in an effort to do something important to you that's important to God, there will be opposition. I would love to tell you that since we've had a leadership transition here at Lindsay Lane, everything has been sunshine, rainbows, and breeze. But it hadn't. You know why? Because there's people here. It's the truth. Whenever you got people, you got purpose and you got problems. And all of us can admit to being one of those in our life. We've been purpose and we've been a problem. And I'd love to tell you that everything has just been awesome. But the truth is, is there's been some occasional rain and there's also been some storms. Like some things we've really had to rely on God for to work through. And sometimes those storms that would be our opposition to us personally and corporately, sometimes those storms are from the outside, like Sanballat and Tobiah. I remember when we got to Lindsay Lane East, I knew when we arrived. The day that I pulled up under the awning there to open up those two glass doors and there was literature of false doctrine stuffed in between those two doors. I pulled them out and began to read them. And I thought, they know we're here now. <laughs> See, we, we had a work going that God was blessing that the enemy wanted to stop. And he sent opposition. Other times, while those storms can often be on the outside, other times those storms are from the inside. There's some of you right now that you're trying your best to live by the power of the Spirit of God. And people close to you are the ones that are tripping you up. And y'all, for some of you, shame on you for that. Because you may be in here with them. Don't you hold up the spiritual growth of your wife or your husband? Don't be the one that stands in the way of your children getting more plugged into church. Don't, don't stand in the way of that. Sometimes the opposition is not those that we think would, would come against us fierce from the outside, but from the inside. Judas was close to Jesus. Job's wife. Job's wife told him to curse God and die. You see, this is people that are near to him, that are holding them up. Guys, let me tell you something. Let me speak to the men in here just for a second. Oftentimes, ladies will grow closer to God because the guys won't let the lady grow closer to them. That's the truth. And then the man wants to flip that and start standing in the way of that because he doesn't like that she's growing closer to God because she starts changing her ways. How dare we stand in the way of somebody getting closer to God, of serving the church, of going on mission? Sometimes it's us. And then there are times when it's not on the outside and it's not on the inside there's just times when God's called us to do something important to us that's important to him, and we stand in our own way. We're the one that, that gets in the way of things. We become the opposition 
to the great that God wants to do in our lives for what's important to Him. Some of us wouldn't even entertain something new in our life that would be difficult to do, but great for God because we are to give this, I what I'm into. I couldn't accomplish that. Look at the ages in the Scripture. 8 to 80 and past that. Of how God does great things with people because they're His people. We can be our own opposition. We can stand in the way. When Brittany and I pray together, this is what we pray. God, protect us from anything or anyone that would come against our marriage, including ourselves. That's what we pray. When, when, I, when I officiate a wedding, and we're going through all of the ins and outs and the things that we say, you know, it used to, it used to be like if there uh, if there be anyone in here that would you know, have opposition to this marriage, let them stand or whatever. And we don't do that anymore because probably, people probably would. Um, but but there's, a, there's a part where at the end where we say, what God has joined together, let no man separate. You know that part? I think it's in Mark. In pre-marriage counseling, when I read that to them, I said, let no man separate what God joins together, not even you. You see, oftentimes we think it's going to be somebody at the end of the wedding that's going to stand up and say, I object. Most of the time, it's within those two people that they begin to separate what God joined together. There's opposition from the outside, inside, and even us. But after Sanballat and Tobiah ran their mouth, I want you to notice what Nehemiah did. In fact, before that, I would rather you notice what he did not do. The Scripture, when, if you read there in, in Nehemiah, this is what Sanballat said. What does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Did you notice that Nehemiah did not retort? Oh, yeah, well, your mama's feeble. How about that? <laughs> like he didn't... <laughs> he, didn't say th- he didn't say that. Yeah, your mama's poor. Yeah, like... He did not retort. I was just trying to keep the attention of the kids in here. But you notice, he didn't start going back and forth. There was not this, let me tell you something about my people. Like, there wasn't any of that. He didn't go back and forth. He didn't get within his emotions and start targeting the opposition and, and shouting them down. He didn't go after Tobiah and say, I tell you what, when we get this wall built up, just bring that fox on up and I'll kick him off. Like, he didn't say, he didn't say any of that. But true, that's what we do. Oftentimes, social media, message boards, Lord have mercy. If you won't say it to somebody's face, why in the world would you hide behind that screen? Cover our names. But this is what we do because we get inside of our emotions and out of the Spirit of God and we begin to fight back and forth, which is what people who ridicule want you to do. They want that from you. And as soon as they get it, they know they got it. They wanted the back and forth, but Nehemiah wouldn't give it to them. But also know this, that Nehemiah also did not defend his position. And there are times to defend your position. But he did not defend his position by going back and forth, back and forth, by showing him the permission slip from the king, showing him the letter and the people that came with him, reminding him that the king can come down there and kill you. Like he didn't give him the rational explanation of defending his position. And again, there's times to do that. And he could have done that. But he's up against a spiritual opposition because this is a work of God that Satan wants to take down. So what did he do? Scripture says 
in chapter 4, verse 4. After these two continued to voice their displeasure at the wall, this is what the next verse says. Then I prayed. Then I prayed. Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. Now, he's getting aggressive in this prayer, and we're going to talk about that a little later. And may themselves be captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt and do not blot out their sins. For they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. What did he do? He did not rebuttal. He did not get rational. He prayed. He could have talked trash, could have kicked the fox, could have showed him the king's permission slip. But, but this was all up against ridicule. This is how Satan works. He's not demanding, he's deceiving. He wants you to think another way is better. You see, Satan working in the hearts of those leaders, if he could get, if you look back to chapter 3 of Nehemiah, those folks are getting after it. And all it is is a list of who's where and what they're working on. And I'm talking about it, it's a bunch of folks. And they're getting after it. And if this dissension, if this ridicule by these two jokers that just show up with influence, if they can get a few of those to stop, then progress stops. And so he prayed. And this is how Satan works. And when you've got a spiritual issue, you cannot have a physical fight. When you've got a spiritual issue, you've got to take it to the Holy Spirit. You've got to pray. So instead of getting emotional or rational, church, let's get faithful. Let's get faithful. In fact, Nehemiah's consistent practice, if you look throughout the Scripture in chapter 2, 5, 6, and 13... When Nehemiah was in times of need, he hit his knees. He prayed and took it to the Lord. So how many of us, when we match up our prayer times or our complaint time, and our prayer times or our reading time and our screen time, how many of us, if we really care about these things that we care about, whether it be a position that we want to defend or a ministry that we want to get people on board with or something that we know we need to do, how many of us can match up our prayer time to all the other? It's a spiritual issue of opposition, no matter what it looks like. And this is Ephesians chapter 6. This is all this is. It's the armor of God. Nehemiah is showing us what Ephesians 6 wants us to do. Just after Paul says to take up the weapon, which is the sword of the Spirit of God, the Word of God, he says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. See, the Word of God is definitely the weapon that's listed in Ephesians chapter 6, but right after that is praying. And it's not you fighting, it's asking God to fight for you. I realize that we teach our children not to tattle. Amen? Like there's this place, if you work with small children, some of you teachers in here, God bless you. If, if you work with them all during the week or just on Sundays and you're serving, a lot of those folks faithfully serving this morning, but we, we, try, we try to find this teaching that is, please don't tattle. Why are you tattling, right? Because they don't know the difference between telling on them for something that's real and telling on them for something that's not real or not worth it. Christians, small children and mature believers are two different things. You can go on and tattle to the Lord all you want to do. Tell the Lord on them, man. 
Take it to the supreme spiritual authority. Tell God what you need. Ask Him for wisdom and thank Him for giving it to you. Tell God. Tattle on them. Lord, cast your cares in the Spirit, not in emotion, so that you can continue to represent the Lord and get back to work. Because these folks, if you look in Nehemiah, they were making progress. Ridicule happened. They started praying, and you know what happened in the next verse? They went back to work. You're just going back to work then. And this is what Nehemiah did. In the face of ridicule, he just let the Lord deal with it. Now, there's something to deal with here because Nehemiah is praying for God to get them. That's really what he's praying. This is called imprecatory prayers. And you see this in Psalms. David's praying this at a time. But that's truly what he's doing. He's praying for God to get them. And let's be honest, that's what we want to do. We want to just pray for God just take them out. <laughs> and you, nobody's going to amen that because you're afraid to admit it. But that's what we at least all thought about it. Or God, remove them from the situation. Take it away altogether. Just make it happen. I don't even want to know the details, Lord. Just do it. Like, we don't even want to deal with that. So if anything stands in our way, we think it's important to God. We want God to make the way and take those who stand in the way out. Lord, just make them behave. Honestly, this is probably an appropriate feeling as it relates to the God. Because if we truly feel like someone is dishonoring God or standing in the way of the wall, so to speak, then we should desire justice. We should desire justice. But y'all, when you desire justice, how quickly we forget ourselves. May God have mercy. How quickly we forget for God as we call on Him to rain down His wrath that we deserve the same. We deserve that same justice. After all, Nehemiah is defending God. Why, why would we have a problem praying those prayers? Because he says that, for they have provoked your anger here in front of the builders. Nehemiah, the truth is, is Nehemiah had the king's blessing. If he wanted to, he probably could have written a letter back and said, I'm going to fix to kill these folks. You good with it? Sounds good. They done. He likely had the authority. If you think about it, and I learned this, I learned this, this week, David, as he prayed these kind of prayers... If anybody had the authority in all the world to take care of business and take somebody out, it was David. He could just took people out. But what he did is he took his emotions and he took it to the Lord so that the Lord could fight his battles. The problem we have is trusting the Lord to fight him in his own way and in his own time. You see, this would have been acceptable at this day and time because the New Testament had not been written yet. This would have been a, an acceptable prayer because the, the great commandment to love has not been yet written or said by the Lord. Jesus has not commanded at this point to love your enemies. He has not prayed for those who persecute you. He's not said that. Love, love, the, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He has not yet prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And love your enemies is an Old Testament principle. But Jesus, God himself, said it in the New Testament. But we are in the church age. And we are under the lordship of Jesus. And yes, while we pray for God's reputation to be upheld, we also pray for our hearts to see the lostness of a generation who would mock God. If we really care about what God cares about, every time somebody shouts us down and mocks God, we'll pray for him on the spot.
Anytime that somebody would be in opposition to us, whether in our family or in opposition to us on the outside or even ourselves, we would take that to the Lord. It's a spiritual deal. You can't overcome that in and of yourself. You've got to have God. In the church age, again, we're under the lordship of Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. As we think about praying against opposition, praying for those who won't step up, praying for those who step in the way, praying for those who shout us down, those who are lost. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of the Lord. Did you notice that? To the righteous anger of God. Most of the time, even when we're praying for God to get them, it's not righteous anger, it's emotional anger. Which is why we ought to pray. Because God's anger is not emotional, it's righteous. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's just what it says, y'all. You can do with it what you want to. That's what it says. Notice, leave that to the righteous anger of God. Righteous. Man, that is a word for our times. Christians, tell the Lord the truth about how you feel and let God's Spirit work and let God's Word bring you towards the truth that you too at one time deserve the wrath of God yourself and thank the Lord for His grace and mercy. Now, this is the last thing here. When you pray in the face of opposition, here's three things that happen quickly, three paragraphs and we're done. First, when you take it to the Lord in prayer, you can leave it at the feet of God. When you take your concern in prayer to God, you can leave it with God. Take your concerns to God. You know what you do when you do that? You're, it's above your pay grade. I want you to hear this in, in the scriptures. We look in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 4, I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, this is the part that often we, we will overlook. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. That's Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Verse 7 says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. See, sometimes we think that praying is kin to telling a supreme authority. In our culture, we don't really trust authority. That's fair to say. We don't really trust authority. And some of that is not justified and some of it is. I understand that. We need to read the scripture on that too. But when you're talking to God to handle stuff, you're not talking to your boss and respect them all I can. You're not talking to the police. You're not talking to the government. You're talking to almighty, holy, matchless God. He'll handle it. When you take it to the Lord in his own time, how he would, you can leave it there and you can go back to work. When you take it to God, you can leave it with him. 
Secondly, when you take it in prayer, you can carry on with your work. If you read further, you'll notice the opposition does not stop. Y'all, just because you pray doesn't mean they're going to stop. A lot of times we won't treat God like a microwave. God, I gave you 30 seconds. You didn't do nothing about it. Here I am again. Like that's who we're becoming. We're really, boy, we, we are terrible at waiting. I mean, we get in the drive through line at Taco Bell. Some of y'all are getting out of here on Sunday mornings. You ran three people over last week just trying to get out. No, I'm kidding. Sometimes what's said in jest is said best, though. I, I think you think we need to be considered as we leave the parking lot as well. <laughs> but just, just because you've prayed and left it with the Lord, the op- you're in the world. The opposition is going to come back in one way, shape, or form. In truth, I've had to learn that myself in the, as, as being a leader. That when you've dealt with something... Y'all, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is where it got to in the last 365 days, last two years. God would do something here that only he could get the credit for. And I love that. Because glory to God. Man, we got people being baptized that we haven't even talked to that would call us. And they know the Lord's working. And glory to God. And then seriously, this year on a Sunday, I went home thinking, this is awesome. And I woke up on Monday morning going, I wonder what's about to happen today. 30 minutes later, I got an email. Spiritual warfare and opposition is real, y'all. But you can't quit. When you've taken it to the Lord and you can trust it with him, then you can go back to work. Don't quit and pray. Pray and carry on. Knowing that you've called on God. Listen to this, what the scripture says. Who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's a lot, that could be a long time from now. So whatever God has begun in you, you just get after it and trust that God's going to make it right in the end. Now that's a hard thing. It's a hard pill to swallow. I understand But this is trusting in God's will, not your own. Third, final. When you take it in prayer, you'll grow stronger in faith. It's not that good of a feeling, but the truth is, is God used the enemies of his people to drive his people to their knees. That's, I'm going to say that again. God used his enemies to lead his people to their knees. You know what I often think in my own prayer life? What if I got on my knees before the opposition came? What if we prayed before we start recruiting for people? What if we prayed up until we cast vision rather than just after it? And by the way, I did pray for that a long time. So, so when you take it in prayer, you grow stronger in faith because the people were building the wall. But as the people were building the wall, this is what happened. God was building his people. In the opposition, in the strength and struggle, troubled times give you an opportunity for spiritual disciplines. And so if you are in the middle of that right now where you are facing opposition for whatever it is you know is important to God, that's important to you, and you want to move on it, if you are facing opposition to that, keep praying and don't give up and allow God to turn you and shape you and strengthen you in this moment so that when you get that wall built, you can give him all the glory. And point people to it. During those times of rain and storms in ministry, the truth is, and I don't like it sometimes, but that's when my faith grows. That's when my dependence upon God grows. That's even at times when I think back to myself, what did we do when this happened? 
And most of the time I look back and think, there's a point in the day where I reach that I can't do anything else, and I finally just turn it over to the Lord. Identify the opposition in your life. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Let God deal with it. Amen? Stand to your feet. I want to tell you one more thing as you stand to your feet. Before we go, I want you to know, one thing I know is the will of God. One thing I know that is the desire of God is that it's not his desire that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So what's important to God is you turn away from yourself and you turn to God. Call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Start letting God fight your battles. I wonder at this moment, as we get ready to go into an old school invitation, as we get ready to, to, to come down this altar, what if we prayed today? What if the church prayed today? What if God stirred our heart? Even if something I said you don't like, what if you would take it to the Lord in prayer before you took it to an email to me? What if, what if, you, would, what if you would ask God and hear from God? What if we would take all this opposition? What about for the vision of our church? Because some of those things we can't even see yet for the diversity of fellowship and new works and those things haven't even begun. Church, would you pray? Would you pray before the opposition? Would you not be the opposition? Would you pray about that? Lord God, as we think about our own salvation, as we think about the vision of this church, Lord, move in our hearts now to move and to pray. Spirit of God, stir in our hearts to come and pray, to pray where we are, but to pray at this altar, to pray all over this place. Lord, if it be individual opposition that we face, whether it's ourselves or somebody else, may we take it to the Lord in prayer. Lord, if as a church we face opposition, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be our defender and our provider. Lord, that you would stand in the gap. God, that you would lead us and provide for us that your will would be done. That you would accomplish, Lord, whether I'm here or not, whether somebody else is here or not, that you would accomplish your will through this church. God, may we never grow tired of you. Lord, for those who are dealing personally with issues that somebody is standing in their way each and every day, oh Lord, we pray and take this, this anger to you, Lord, that your righteous anger may, may have your way and your time to deal with this situation, Lord. And, and for our church, once again, we pray, oh God, that there be a spirit of unity and that not one single person who calls this place their home would be divisive. Lord, that even the conflicting messages that we communicate would be communicated in a way that we would come together. Lord, we need you. To do a work that you called us to, we need you. And Lord, for the one or many that needs to call on your name to be saved, if we need to join the church, if we need to be baptized, if we need to talk to somebody, Lord, that we would take the first step God, that you would have your way as we yield. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you, church. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in, oh, his love for me, oh, his love. The sun sets free.
by the way. Amen. Sit up front sometime. You hear everybody sing. Y'all sound great. Uh, I want to tell you, come back next week. I know we got lines for them tonight. Wednesday night, we have a series uh, called uh, Alternative Life in the World and in the World. I hope you'll come back for Wednesday night. Next Sunday, Nehemiah gets even better because at one point in Nehemiah, they got a shovel in one hand and a weapon in the other, and they don't quit working. Man, keep reading that because it's really good. And spoiler alert, that's what we'll talk about next Sunday. Uh, but right now we have a ministry video we want to show you, and then Greg's going to come give some announcements. Morning, church. Recently, Pastor Andy John has encouraged our congregation to develop and grow in the spiritual discipline of prayer. As our church has continued through our series titled Rhythms, we've taken a deeper look at the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus specifically taught us how to pray. Jesus taught us that prayer is rooted in a relationship with the Father. Prayer is open communication with the Holy God, where we recognize our dependency on Him and His supreme lordship over our life. Prayer is coming to God with our needs and coming to Him with the needs of others. But most importantly, prayer is about aligning our hearts and desires with Christ. And here at Lindsay Lane, we have a prayer ministry that desires to help you do just that. Wants you to mature and thrive in the spiritual discipline of prayer. I want to introduce you to Tammy Thaxton, our prayer ministry director, as she gives you more information about this new important ministry and how this ministry can benefit you. Do you believe in the power of prayer to change an individual heart, the heart of a family, congregation, or even a nation? I do. The Lord tells us in his word, then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I close the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshoppers to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. My eyes will now be open and my ears attentive to prayer from this place, and I have now chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there at all times. That comes from 2 Chronicles 7, 12 through 16. I want to tell you a story from my life about how I've witnessed the Lord changing the heart of a family through prayer. My family and I were blessed to serve for five years in a closed country in Southeast Asia that was communist. The gospel wasn't allowed there. It wasn't accepted. But we knew a sweet girl who, by the grace of God, came to faith in the Lord. Her name, we're gonna call her Julie today. Julie came to faith and she had a heart and a passion to see her family come to know the Lord. She didn't know what to do. Even if she told her family that she had accepted Christ and was a, a Christian, she could be kicked out of her family, her village, or even worse. So she didn't know what else to do, so she prayed. Julie prayed every day for her family. She prayed for nearly a year for each member of her family. And one night when she was up praying, she heard a knock at her bedroom door. 
and her sister came to her and said, Julie, I've been having dreams and I've dreamed of a man in white. Can you help me and explain these dreams to me? And she shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with her sister. And this sweet girl came to Christ also. Within just a few months, as the two sisters prayed together, their mother and another sister in the family came to Christ and they all began praying together. And within just a few months after that, her father, who was a leader in his community, a very Buddhist community in a communist country, he came to Christ as well. And we were so excited when she sent us a picture of her father smashing his spirit house where he worshiped other gods and ancestors even. He smashed it and he lived his life until he died just a few years ago for the Lord. Church family, I believe the Lord can work this way in our hearts, family, church, and nation. I am claiming this verse for our prayer ministry. Announce a sacred fast, proclaim an assembly, gather the elders and all the residents of the land at the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. This comes from Joel 1.14. Friends, this is what we are called to do as a church and a congregation. We are called to be on our knees before the Lord praying. And we are looking for leaders who would like to lead in prayer and help us in this ministry. If you have a heart for prayer or consider yourself a prayer warrior, I would love for you to get in contact with me and we'll have my email address on the screen so that you can come and help lead our congregation in prayer. And church family, if you want to join together as a church in prayer, I pray that you'll just look for what's coming in the near future. Thank you, Katie and Tammy Sexton, for a prayer ministry. If you want to be a part of that, again, please reach out to Tammy or Katie. It's a great ministry here. Uh, obviously, we should all be praying. So, um, Two things before we leave today. Don't forget your line forms uh, tickets. You can get those at the desk in the gathering space on your way out. You'll need that ticket when you get to the front gate. We'll have some tables set up there, and you can exchange that ticket uh, for an armband, and you'll be good to go for the evening. And lastly, don't forget about our trunk or treat coming up. Um, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday night, we need trunk. Um, there's a QR code in your bulletin. You can scan that QR code and just sign up uh, to uh, give out candy there. And also, we need candy. Uh, there's being set up around our campus here. Drop some candy in this Wednesday night, next uh, Sunday morning as well. I know all those babies that were up here will be going by trunks in, a, in about a week. And wouldn't it be so sad if that baby gets to that trunk and there's nothing there? So for the price of a cup of coffee, <laughs> you can support our trunk or treat ministry. No, uh, for real, bring some candy. It's going to be a fun night of ministry. We are expecting thousands, seriously thousands on our campus uh, that night. It'll be a good night of outreach. Let's pray and you'll be sent. Father God, we thank you again that we could be in your house today. Father, we thank you for the baptismal waters being stirred. We thank you for these families who came to dedicate their children to you, God. And we thank you as a, a church that we got to be eyewitness that and just be a part of it. And we can come alongside these uh, families and, and Lord, just help your spirit lead God and direct them. Lord, we thank you for your challenge today, God, that um, we can depend on you no matter the circumstances, no matter the obstacles or issues in front of us, God. I pray that we would come to you through prayer and let you handle those things, Lord. And uh, Father, again, we thank you for this day and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.